right, good morning. So good to be with you on this, the Lord's day, sharing together. You know, we're talking about the whole idea of going up and over. And even now, Lord, I ask that you would open up our hearts so that we might be stirred to have an overcoming kind of faith that will help us to prevail even in these most challenging of times. You know, we've been looking at the account of one of the most amazing figures and characters in all the scripture, a man named Joseph. We've been talking about what happened to him. He's only at this point, a man of 17 years of age. He's just a young man. And we're gonna to return to his story. We're gonna to return to his account. We're gonna pick up where we left off, Genesis 37. Some of you may recall that what had happened was that Jacob, Joseph's father, had sent him to go find Joseph's brothers. Joseph's brothers were pasturing the flocks uh, in a region called Shechem. So Joseph was in Hebron. You see the little map here, Hebron. And he went to Shechem with the provisions that his father Jacob had given him. When he found that his brothers weren't in Shechem, he then went to Dothan, which is where he had heard they were. This is where we pick up. Joseph is on his way. We know one other detail. He's wearing that beautiful garment, that robe that his father had given him. And even though he was the younger of the brothers, only Benjamin was younger than him, he was given the place of greatest esteem and the token of Jacob's love and favor, that robe of many colors glistening in the sun. Joseph wore it, I'm sure, with a great degree of pride. But his brothers, we know, not just because of the robe, but also because of his dreams, they despised him. And we know that as they saw him coming from afar, it triggered something that they had been talking about already. Joseph has no way of knowing that he is about to have a life-altering experience, a tragedy that will hit him, that will change the entire course of his life on this fateful day. No one could have seen it coming. Of course, God knew. It was destined to become part of a larger story of God saving his people. And yet, at the same time, when we read it, we must remember it's so human. It's so real. It connects to deep pain and wounds. It is, in some ways, a hurt of life that some people could never recover from. And yet we watch we watch what happens and we're going to learn from it because God is going to change Joseph as the years go by and take this wound that he's about to experience and turn it around. But watch how it happens. And then we're going to sit and draw some conclusions from it. Even now, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us about um, our own lives and about what we're walking through right now. Maybe this word has even more meaning for us. So as best as we can, we open up our hearts to you and we come as a learner, open, ready to receive your goodness. This is what we ask in Jesus' name. All right, it says this in Genesis 37. They saw him from afar, that is the brothers did. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. He started talking about killing Joseph. And they said to one another, here comes, you can see those dreams are still on their mind. Here comes the dreamer. You know, when Joseph had talked about being their ruler, here comes that dreamer. Come on now, 
Let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. That's what we'll do. And we'll see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, now Reuben was the oldest of the brothers, the son of Leah. He, he rescued him out of their hands. Basically what the Bible is saying right there is that he stopped them from killing him right in that moment. Um, Reuben said, no, let's not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, my brothers. No, we cannot do this. Let, let, look, just throw him into a pit here in the wilderness. Let's just, let's just, let's just rough him up a bit and throw him into this pit. But, but remember this, you know, don't, don't lay a hand on him. And Reuben said this, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So in Reuben's mind, he was going to come back after things settled down, take Joseph out of the pit, bring him home. He didn't want to kill him. So when Joseph, though, came to his brothers, verse 23, they stripped him of his robe. Ah, that robe that they despised, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and they threw him into the pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Now, the entire event, if we can just try to imagine in our mind's eye, must have been so traumatic. Joseph, there is no way he could have been prepared for the, the anger, the, the violence, the, the shock of the, of the merciless cruelty that his brothers um, just imposed upon him the brutality, the hardness of their hearts. Um, years later in Genesis 42, they would confess to one another in a moment of deep introspective honesty. They would say this in Genesis 42, 21, we are truly guilty concerning our brother. Look at this phrase. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us. And we would not hear him. Therefore, they said, this distress has come upon us. That phrase, the anguish of his soul, the, 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 the cry, the guttural cry for, of mercy that Joseph had, the terror of his moment of just, just feeling like incredibly uh, devastated, uh, overwhelmed uh, by what he could not understand it, it just didn't make sense to him that they could be so mean and evil uh, towards him. And yet they were. And Joseph, remember, was still a teenager. I know he was 17, but he cried. He pleaded. He begged in the pit, in the darkness. Right. I just imagine him there, there a distance away. Joseph is, 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 is screaming, is yelling is, you know, uh, wailing, weeping, crying, doing anything he can to, to get them to get him out of this pit. What are you doing? My brothers. Right. But there, there, there's no, there's no, there, nobody did anything. Nobody helped him. They just left him there. So entrenched in their offense. So resentful and angry that his pleading just fell on callous ears. They, 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 they could not hear him, would not hear him. Think of it this way. The bitterness of their soul had made them deaf. Now we know 
again, from the passage we just read that Reuben was uncomfortable with the idea of murdering Joseph. He wouldn't go there. That was way, that was just way too, too far for him. You know, he, he was kind of though like a bit of a pilot figure, if you think of it this way, and that he, he may have had concerns. He may have had good intentions, but he was kind of weak too. I mean, he could have led this moment and said no, but he didn't have enough to do that. He had a, a different idea that he was going to try to come back around and help Joseph and get out of that pit. But in that moment, when he needed to stand, he, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And, um, you know, he, Reuben might have been okay with just giving him a good scare, teaching Joseph a lesson, right? You know, this will put him in his place. But, but he, didn't, he didn't want to kill him. But things didn't work out the way that Reuben was hoping. Look what it says in verse 25. It says, Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming, to, coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum and balm and myrrh. These are very important uh, trading goods. These were traders coming from uh, a region on their way to, they were coming from Gilead, on their way to actually Egypt. And um, we're told some of the things that they were carrying down to Egypt as they were heading southward. It was at that moment that, you know, with Joseph whimpering in the background, crying out every now and then, brothers, brothers, let me out. Right. But, <laughs> you know, and we, we know a couple other things that Reuben had gone. He wasn't with them at the time. Uh, I think he, again, was planning on coming back when they were all maybe at a different place and was going to let Joseph go. But we also know that they were all eating. The, you know, while Joseph is screaming in the background, asking them for mercy, pleading with them for, for some element of tenderness. I'm your brother. Right. In, in, while that's how he, they are pictured as eating the very provisions that Joseph had brought. Think about that. They're eating and talking, you know, literally with the, they're eating the, the very things that Joseph had brought them while he's in the pit screaming and asking them, pleading with them for help. Look what it says in verse 26. Then Judah, who was the fourth in line, and by the way, the one from which Jesus Messiah will ultimately come from. He said to his brothers, you know, what prophet, hey, because I think he saw the caravan in the distance passing. And he said, listen, like the idea came to him. What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Now, I have a better idea. Listen to this. This is too good. Let's not have his blood on our hands. No, 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 no. Let's get rid of him in a different way. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let's just sell him off. They'll take him and sell him off into Egypt in, in the slave markets, right? And let, our, let not our hand be, be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. You know what? I don't want to kill him. I want to get rid of him for good. And his brothers listened to him. And they said, you know, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, let's do that instead. It says, then the Midianite traders, as they passed by, they drew Joseph up and they lit. You kid, you take him. Here's 
This is what it says. They, they, they lifted him out of the pit and they sold him. It says the, they do. The brothers drew Joseph out of the pit and they, they took him and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And it says the, the Ishmaelites, also known sometimes as the Midianites, they took Joseph to Egypt. 20 pieces of silver. I go back into that moment. Hey, brothers, I have an idea. I don't feel great about killing him. He's our brother, but I can't stand him. So let's just sell him. Sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. Then we never have to see him again and listen to his dreams or ever have to ever have to hear how, you know, great father says he is. And so they negotiated the price, 20 pieces, shekels of silver. Does that remind us of anything? When another deliverer was sold by one of his own? for 30 pieces of silver. Hmm. And they all concur. Let's do it. So Joseph is sold and Joseph will never forget this moment ever. It will sit with him all the days of his long life. And so he is sold. What are you doing? What are you doing? He is sold. His cries ignored. His brothers turn him in and turn their backs on him. And they say, this is what you get, you dreamer. Now you get what you deserve. See where your dreams take you. No, brothers, don't do this. Don't brothers. See, you can see it. You can feel it. And his, his hands are bound by callous and indifferent men. And, and we're told something else that his neck was put into a collar and he begins a 250 mile journey to the slave markets of Egypt. Verse 29, when Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. What did you do? He returned to his brothers. He says, the boy is gone. The boy is gone. No, he's still a boy. And I, where, where shall I go? Right? Reuben is now worried that somehow he's going to be held accountable for what happened to, to Joseph. He's, he's worried that when his father finds out that he's finished. Uh, and because he was the firstborn. Reuben's concern, panic sets in. Um, you, where, 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 he runs back to them. Where's Joseph? You didn't, you didn't kill him, did you? No, 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 we didn't kill him. Reuben, Reuben, calm down. It's even better. It's even better. It's way better. You won't believe it. It's too good. It's perfect. <laughs> it's almost like God sent us a solution. After you left, we ate. And as we were eating, there was a caravan that was passing by, you know, those, those Ishmaelites, the, the, the traders, they trade in all kinds of goods, don't they? Well, it was on its way to Egypt. So it was Judah's idea. He gets the credit. We just sold him. You what? We sold him. You sold him. What did you do? You sold, we, we sold him. Oh. And Reuben is besides himself. What am I going to tell father? What am I going to tell father? He's going to hold me responsible. Um, <sighs> hey, calm down. We've been discussing that. 
We've been discussing it. We've got an idea. It's a plan. It's a good plan. Yeah, I think you're gonna like it. We're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna take the robe, this thing. <laughs> we can take that robe, the one that's all kind of torn up right now. We're gonna we're gonna dip it in blood. It's not like I said, it's already torn. And then we're gonna tell him this is all we found. This was all that was left. Father would think that he's just been attacked and drug off by a wild beast. Ruben, Ruben, you won't have to say anything. He'll he'll just draw his own conclusions. That's all. Just calm down. Get a hold of yourself, Ruben. Calm down. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's that's what we'll do. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yes. Right? And this is verse 31. Then they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, dipped the robe in blood, and then sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, this we have found. Please, father, tell us, is, is this Joseph's robe? Do you think? Please identify whether it's his, your son's robe or not. We think it is, but you would know better. And Jacob identified it and said, that is my son's robe. Oh, a fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph, Joseph, and it says that Jacob says, Joseph is in no doubt been torn to pieces, right? Jacob is, is devastated. He's overwhelmed in grief. Verse 34, then Jacob, in the, in the tradition of the, the ancient Eastern culture, tore his garments, ripped his clothes off, put on sackcloth on his loins, stripped himself, only sackcloth on. For days he lamented and grieved, torn apart on the inside. And it says that all his sons and daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol. I will go down to the place of the departed spirits. I will leave this world to my son and I will do it mourning. And thus his father wept for him. Jacob was broken. Again, his grief emphatic, his pain overwhelming. They tried to comfort him, but he refused. Leave me alone. Perhaps as they, they saw him, they regretted what they had done, felt the guilt, but it was, it was, it was too late. And what's fascinating, and I would say sadly ironic, is that Jacob in his earlier days was quite the trickster manipulator himself. If you study the earlier part of the book of Genesis, you will see he was, and it would be <laughs> almost an under, uh, overstatement to describe it this way, but he was, well, maybe an understatement, he was a master of deception. His family, especially on his mother's side, were known for their guile, for their craftiness, for their scheming, for their cleverness. And then who could forget his uncle, Laban? Uh, Jacob himself had been uh, deceived by his uncle, and um, Jacob himself had deceived his father, Isaac, with the help of his mother, Rebekah. They, remember, they had stolen the birthright from Jacob's brother, Esau with chicanery. So Jacob was clever and he was blessed. So this is a family thing. I want to call it a kind of family dysfunction. And now it's coming back to bite Jacob in his old age, isn't it? Or his older years. He's reaping what he has sown. The deceptive one is being deceived just as he deceived his father in his younger days. And, and um, you know, 
Oh, Lord, be merciful. Lord, do not remember the sins of our youth. Please forgive us. Verse 36. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guards of the Midianites, the Ishmaelites, the captain of the guard. You know, this is a portal moment in, a, in Joseph's life. It's a transition into a season of unfathomable, tumultuous change. I mean, because of this incident, he will never be the same. He, he will be changed forever. And it would be so easy for Joseph in this moment, it would be, I should say, to see himself as a victim on the way to Egypt, either being dragged along in a chain with others or in a cage of a kind of a wagon. I wonder what was going through Joseph's mind. I've tried to put myself there. What was he thinking about, about God, about the faith of his fathers and what of his father for he would never see his father again. Um, and the tears flowed. What, why did they do that to me? Why, how, how could they do it? And how hurt, how wounded, the pain tore into his soul. Wow. The pain ripped through his body. And I'm not sure which one was greater the physical pain that he was feeling or the emotional pain of what was happening. It, it was awful, so bad. How would he recover? How does one recover? That's the question. Hear me out when I say this, and I'm not saying we're going to experience hurt like this. I know people have, people do. It's true, but hurt of any kind that hits us hard. Hurt always sends us on a journey. Hurt always sends us on a journey. It does. And I've been thinking about it a lot. I was thinking about it in light of Joseph's story. And I want to share something about how to overcome the hurts of life. Cause you know, you and I are going to have the hurt. We're going to have hurt in this life. Now some hurt like Joseph's was just in incredibly traumatic. I don't know any other way around it, but we will have hurt. Some of us have had great hurt in life. Some of us are in it right now. And some hurt is smaller or more modest. Other hurts are just overwhelming. But let me, let me start out by saying this. There are some experiences in life that are so intense and devastating that we will need to contend to stay free. We will need to contend to stay free for if we do not, we will be defined by them. So this is, this is where that phrase, which I think maybe can be used a bit tritely comes in though, but it's still applicable here that, that we are either going to get bitter or better. That when certain things in life hit us, 
we're either going to get bitter or better. For we will either slowly heal, adapt, and grow, or we will die. We will die. And people can die and still be alive. I've seen it. In some ways, I saw it in my father's. And I, I, it is possible to be so defined by the hurt and wound of life that a part of us dies if we don't get better. Like, we can die. We can stop contending. We can stop living. We can lose our love for life. And sometimes we see this with people who feel so lost and hurt that they see no way out and they will take their life. And as followers of the Lord, we want everyone to live. Um, we don't want anyone to ever give up on that gift. No matter how bad things are, the Lord can redeem them. He can, he can use them for good in our lives. That's what he did on the cross and that's what he can do with us. But with the Lord's help, and this is what I mean by this, that we can actually get better. We will either, well, let's put it this way. The Lord can heal us. He is the healer. And he can by grace. This is our message. And please hear it. Please hear that he, he can always help us to become a better version of ourselves. What do we mean to say when don't get bitter, get better? Part of what we mean is let the Lord help us become a deeper person, a, a more empathetic man or a more empathetic woman, that God, by his grace, will work what is meant for evil for good. That, that's what we're saying. One of the keys will be this, and here's another thing for us to consider, that, and this is, this is what it is, that when a wrong is done to us, one of the keys is going to be forgiveness. And, to, and, and I'm, talking, I'm talking about um, a kind of forgiveness that sets us free. You know, it is often said that forgiveness sets the captive free, and that captive is us. But forgiveness on the backside of an extreme hurt is not so easy. In fact, unless it's miraculously given, like unless it's miraculously given, it's going to be a very slow and, and, and gradual process, a process that will require great patience and continual application, which is one of the reasons why Jesus taught conceptually the idea of forgiving and forgiving again. He used the phrase 70 times seven. It had to do with a practice of forgiveness that ultimately produces a freedom and liberation in us because we can forgive and yet still be bound or we can be for, we can forgive, get free, but be, but start to take it back again. We need to keep applying the balm of forgiveness. It's one of the things the Lord teaches us, um, you know, because if we can't find a way to forgive, then we will become uh, the loser, the victim. Yes, a double victim. We become a prisoner as our spirit shrivels in the prison of our wound. One more thought here is that forgiveness is one of the ways we are most like Jesus. I thought about this. It is the dance of heaven. It's the dance of heaven, forgiveness. And along with grace and love, it's the heartbeat of heaven. Some of us are holding on to things God wants us or wants to help us to learn how to forgive. 
Now, some things are easier to forgive. Like some of us right now, we're honestly, we're hanging on to something that's, relatively speaking, is a pretty minor offense. And if you're hearing me right now, the Lord wants you to forgive. Forgive. You know, to err is human, to forgive divine. There is an element of truth in this. And the Lord wants us to forgive. And maybe there's something that right now that we're just, you know, between someone we love or care about, we've had a relational fissure, we're, we've got some walls built up, we're, we're angry, we're upset, something has happened, something was done. Relatively speaking, maybe it was a compounding thing, you just had it fed up with it. But, you know, is it, can we, can we forgive? Can we forgive? Some things are small, some things are so much harder, they're much more difficult, but they must also be brought to the foot of the cross. Uh, why? Why? As much for ourselves as for the other. For the Lord forgives us. And he knows also that true freedom is always found in forgiveness. Now. It's incredibly hard at times, you know, and, but I need to say this one more thing. And, and that's where Joseph is going to stand out so beautifully as an Old Testament man. He's going to model forgiveness. And remember, we have one thing that Joseph did not possess. We have Jesus. I mean, we have Jesus, not only his example, but his presence at work in our lives by his spirit. Think about that. And here's my, my, my final thought. The last thing I would like to say about this, something for us to sit with as well. And this is true for all the hurts in life. If we don't overcome them, they will overcome us. In terms of the hurts of life, if we don't overcome them, they will overcome us. They'll bind us. They'll make us their captive. But the Lord has come to give us freedom ah, and life at all levels. For he or she whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. That is our heritage, the spiritual heritage of every person who knows the Lord is freedom. Now, we don't always walk in that promise, but it's our promise nonetheless. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Oh, Lord, let us live in your freedom, not bound by the hurts of life, by the disappointments of life, as we move forward in the, into the weeks ahead, we're going to see how Joseph models for us the overcoming life. And I hope it will inspire us through this entire year. I really do. As we're just going to weave in and out of his life and study together and learn these things together. All right. Hey, okay, let's do this. Because I have a final thing I would like to share on the backside of this uh, moment. You know, I want to come back around after our, a song that we have to sort of set a table for my closing prayer and blessing over all of us. But again, this is also one of those times that we use to remind everybody about our giving. And remember, you can give online, you can give through the app, you can give, you know, traditionally, like some of you do, just send us in, in into the offices via mail. But really, I know most of us are, are gravitating away from that. That's fine. I just want to, again, commend all of you for how faithful you have been in this time as we have made our journey together as a people through what I think is a very difficult time that many of us are trying to figure out. Ah, but thank you. May his love abound over you. Let's share this song together and then I'll come back around and close this. Close this out. Okay, here we go.
Right. Huh. Lord, captivate us with your love. Lord, capture us with your love. Yeah. Let us be captured only by your love. Not by wounds or hurts of our past. No. We let them go. Let them fly away. Into the love of Christ. Yeah. Enveloped in his grace. The wounds and hurts of today or the fears of tomorrow, we just let them go. We're trusting you, Lord. We're trusting you at the center of our lives. That's what we want. We want you to be the, your, you and your love to be the defining, the defining quality of our life. And we want to be vessels of blessing others with it too, right? We want to be able to declare how good you are because you're so good, you're so God, and we want to so good, and we want to so God. We want to be people who reflect the transformative love of the Lord. So keep us, God, keep us in a place where we're at peace. Don't let us be bound up in things. Keep us free, free in your love. May the love of Jesus be yours this day, this week, in all the days ahead. As we make this journey together, we are not alone and we are greatly loved. May he keep you spirit, soul, and body in Jesus' name.